Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to the programme. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermode. A good old trip up to Coolsloo Farm in Greba on this week's programme to speak to a wonderful man and a gentleman, Stanley Quirk, uh, talking about his days as a youngster on the farm and his outlook on the world of farming today, Kerry. And times were tough, they'll hear it when I'm speaking to him, but nothing else giving them more pleasure than, you know, seeing a, a great animal go through or a great crop come through at the end of it. That's right. There's nothing more satisfying. And the hours those men put in back then and no machinery as such up and down them hills. My golly, we don't know we're born, do we? No, yeah, hundred weight and a half, bags of barley and oats and one man hanging up there. Dedicated. They no were. chiropractors then. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, and uh, also uh, the fishing industry in the Isle of Man, it's uh, been mentioned a lot recently. We've been a lot of work with the Isle of Man uh, marine uh, side of it and the, and the fishermen all together, haven't they? been working well together uh, to get the marine nature reserves and all sorts of things to protect the Manx fishing waters. And it's on a bigger scale and... A smaller sort of operation like you've been to see. That's right. Alan and Valerie have a, a smaller operation in Balaf where they fish in the Nyarbal, process home in Balaf and deliver to the restaurants and shops. And it's just the one process done by the family. And um, what a successful little business it is too. Yeah, and it's uh, just one of them things that's been so popular over recent times and been promoted pretty well as well, hasn't it? The, the seafood uh, on the Isle of Man. That's right. It's one thing that we're very proud of here, and um, it really is a speciality, the fresh crab or fresh lobster caught locally. It really is a delicacy, isn't it? Okay, so let's uh, have some fishing and some memories from the farm on this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. look round the modern farms on the Isle of Man, there's uh, a lot of them that are in the hands of quite a few youngsters and full of modern machinery and modern techniques of farming. I went up to speak to Stanley Quirk from Coolslew Farm up in the hills in Greba to find out about his memories on the farm as a youngster and how it looks today. I was in 1936, there's all the horses then, no vehicles, so I was, uh Mud cans, anything, no. Didn't have a slopstone to start with. Well, I mean, what did you do for water and things like that? Was there wells or anything up here? Or I know it's no, very hilly. got the spout outside. Mm. Uh, that wasn't far, it was just the level of the corner of the house. Only a few yards to go, there was no, no problem carrying it. Didn't have to carry it any distance. It's a fair farm up here though i mean it was the many other farm i didn't see that many farms on the way up here what was the many back then i would come through one down at the bottom and then there's one across the valley kernaglaucus on the other side that goes right up to the mountain it's not the flattest of areas where you are though were the horses good on this sort of ground with the with the hills i they seem to manage better than the tractors i think as as we it's not a very hilly place. It's uh, down by the river. It's a bit steep. They were working that, and uh, well, there was crops in them when we came here, I think. And mm. and uh, I don't think they were. They were just sowed down and never, never done again. The days, I suppose, when tractors and things come in. I mean, yeah, I suppose you'll remember that fondly, or, or was oh, it sceptically uh, at the time? Uh, yes. Well, the first thing was getting the the binder. They go there. Board of Agriculture, they had tractors and binders going round and 
That'd be in the 1940s. What, like sort of contracting for yes, people with... Yes, oh, all right. yes, yes. There was Charlie Kelly, AI man, and Charlie Moore. Used to, he was driving a wagon for a lease one time. There were several, I don't know. They, I think they had something like half a dozen mm. old Fordsons. They had one Ford Ferguson. Did it change farming when it moved to the tractor side from the horses? Yes, I think it did. We never did any more cutting with the horses after we got uh, had the tractor in. Always, I think we we're always getting getting somebody in. Sometimes getting somebody to pull our binder. Or used to get John Quirk from Crankavady. He was he was cutting for several years. He had an old uh, Fordson tractor and he was doing the cutting for quite a while. Did you? have all sorts? Was it a mixed farm of everything? Yes, I was just uh, beef and sheep. Used to fatten our own, fatten most of the animals. When they were going to the mart to start with, they were getting allocated out and then they were going into the abattoir. Were the prices good then? Yes, uh, they they were getting about £5 for a fat lamb and they thought it was mighty good. Aye. See, it was so much, that was in the 1940s. And it was so much better than the 1920s and 30s. It was it was terrible bad that time. But they were quite satisfied with fibre for a for a, for a fat lamb <laughs> at that time. But I suppose you'd, you'd grow crops and things yes. like that up here as well, just yes. self-sufficient ones. Oh yes, it? yes. You always had uh, growing oats and, and turnips and spuds. And, Good land for that. I was all right, a bit hilly, and it's not not the best of ground, and not like. Like the lowlands, it is, it is a hill farm. It was doing quite good. How many acres have you got up here? About 100 arable. Aye. Uh, and then there's about 220 on the hill. What, what can you use that in? Any well, capacity? That, that was for, for the sheep. We had mm. the hill sheep on that. You said they had crops and things. I suppose there wouldn't be many automatic combines in them days. Did you have no, to get the thrashing never, mill? Yes. Yes, you never really? never heard of, never heard of a combine that time. <laughs> How on earth was it was it a job getting the mill up to the top here? No, not uh, used to come up the steam engine. Used to get up. Never remember them having any trouble. Then they got the field marshal tractors. Comes in in the mid nineteen forties or so, and you were getting up quite easy. Mm. Uh, was the Mill a, a tough old job for the farmers. Ah well, it was. It was. Uh, there was lots of work and dusty. Mm. Uh, but I mean, and the, the thrashing. It, it seemed to everyone had their own sort of job with it. You know, some preferred being on the top and some preferred being on the bottom, didn't they? It was a bit of a uh, when they went around the different farms. Suppose people got used to it and could get it done quicker when you were experienced. Maybe. Yes, or they're supposed to see there was some. Often cutting, or often the one feeding the mill, and there'd be others forking. Some like getting in the sacks. It was a heavy job. It was a, it was a good crop. <laughs> they weren't just uh, 25 kg bags like you will allowed to lift no, now. No, well, they were. They weren't quite 100 weight and a half, but they were well on to that. She's a lot bigger bags than there's going these days. What um, other thing? I mean, the, the farmyard itself, the there's a bit of slope on it down there, I suppose, you know, it helped to let the water run away, but the the buildings are still looking in pretty good condition. 
There's, there's the... Well uh, built? There's, mm. no, there's the... Uh, the cow house was rebuilt in 1938. And I think it was quite... Uh, well, it looked bad. I think there was one, one corner leaning out a bit. I don't think it was all that dangerous. I don't remember it. And the one at the bottom of the yard, that was about... Uh, built in 1907. Right. Yeah, quite good. But what, what was your... Favourite job on the farm, really? I think the harvest, I think. Yeah. When you you go ahead and and put it in. Was that like a massive relief? You know, I know they have the Harvest Home Festival still and the celebrations. I mean, was that a really relief in the world of the farming in them days? Yes, I suppose it was. Mm. Yes, it was... uh, There were so many wet years. be weeks and the stuff would be growing and it was hard to manage be spreading it out and trying to get it dry. It was 1954 was the worst one. That There was no way at all of doing anything that year. Because of what? Raining about every day. Sometimes it would come a little day too fine and almost dry, and then the rain was on again. We did get it in eventually, but it wasn't much good. In them times, I mean, how difficult was it to... Because it was it the same for just about everyone in the area, was it difficult to get crops to, well, to feed your animals? I suppose the whole uh, whole country, I suppose, had had it. It was bad in Ireland, man. Did you ever think I uh, might branch out and be a, a bank manager or something like that in your time? No, never, never, never. No. <laughs> but even though the hard work, the effort you have to put in, the hours you put in, you wouldn't have changed it? No, no, no. I'm quite satisfied with Stanley Quirk with his memories on the farm as a youngster and the changes that uh, are happening in the agricultural world today. Well, changes are afoot for many a year now. The marine reserves have been uh, welcomed by the fishing industry and the people involved in the marine life around the Isle of Man. And it's one thing that uh, is still um, on a bigger scale and a smaller scale, Kerry, the fishing world, isn't it? Yeah, there's still quite a few fish processors on the Isle of Man, but there's not many that do the full process for catching them, processing them and delivering them to the restaurant or the shop. I catch up with a family business in Balaf that are doing just that at Cushland Seafoods. Born into a farming family in Glen May, Alan, how did the interest of fishing come about? In them days, wasn't very much money about, and we were only kids like didn't have much money, so I decided we'd go down to Glenway Beach with the crab hooks and see if we could catch a few crabs. So that's what we did. Off we go. I The first night, I always remember I had six. Six crabs I had, so I came up back up to the waterfall. Walter Bolter was in the waterfall pub at the time, and uh, I got six D each for them. And that was a lot of money then, a lot of money. <laughs> Every fortnight, roughly, the tide was right at night time after school. Down we'd go, full race on going down there. Anyway, I decided I'd get some pots, make me own. So I set about making me own, copied some, and off we went down. I put them in pools all the way along towards Dorby, in the rock pools. And then I left them a few days and then went back to them. And they had crabs and lobsters and all sorts in them. <laughs> I was made up of this. I was <laughs> going to be a millionaire then. <laughs> So that's when the, the farming was put on the back burner and you become a fisherman. Yeah, that's, that was the start of it. So how did it progress from there? Obviously you would have left school. Left school. I uh, worked on the farm for a little while and then I, work, I went away to work. I worked for the MOD for a few years 
when I was coming home at the weekends, every eight weeks I think it was at the time, I had a little boat at the Nyabal then, and I'd go out and catch, put a few pots out and, for the weekend and bring them back in again and sell them lobsters and bits and pieces. I finished that and then came back home to live properly, and I decided I'd buy a little boat, so that's what we did, bought a little boat at Nyabal and carried on from there. So who did you sell to? Would it be cafes and restaurants back then? Oh, yeah, there was a cafe. There was a big cafe at the Nyabal there. There was one at the Glen May and the pub. One, a cafe halfway up the hill, Glenway Hill. That's all we had. We, had, we didn't have to go anywhere further because there's lots of people, coaches, all sorts. Yeah, there's lots of visitors, I suppose, and they'd like to eat local food that you've been caught locally oh, too. Oh, yeah, there was dozens and dozens of coaches. We couldn't catch enough to keep in front of them. And now, obviously, it's progressed to the to the size that you are now, you know, your own processing plant here in Balaf. Yes, eventually we got uh, going properly and it all takes time and I've had a bit of luck and the wind in the right direction. <laughs> But it's not an easy job to do, you know, it's adverse weather sometimes. Did you manage to get out most weeks? Well, when you were younger, there were, well, you're young and foolish and you go and you chance anything, don't you? <laughs> Try to make a pound or two. Yeah. But I like to keep everything local if I can. Sell local, buy local. And a lot of lads I know in the fishing industry, they're all good lads, every single one of them. You still fish at the Nyarbal? Yeah, I do. I do fish at the Nyarbal. One of the nicest places in the Isle of Man there. And is it seasonal? Do we, will you tend to get out mostly in the summertime? Or? Well, mostly in the summertime. But uh, you get nice spells in the winter as well. You know, get fine spells. But in the summertime, it's a lot easier because you're working off the beach. And in the wintertime, you can't really do that. And will you catch crabs and lobsters all year round or will there be other shellfish to be had? Oh, you catch them all year round. But they're not plentiful as they are in the, in, in the summer. Well, they might be there, but a lot, lot harder to catch. It's well governed. They've got good standards here that keep the stocks right. You know, there's, there's a lot of standards you've got to follow to produce these nice crabs and lobsters. Oh yeah, you got, you, you got uh, as well controlled. Obviously, you've got to uh, have licenses now, which you didn't used to have. Anybody could go on some pot pots years ago, but they can't do that now, unless you get a hobby license, which is five. I think it's five. They got still got to apply for them. Now, you, anybody who's starting up now has got to pay for a licence and this, that and the other. But when I first started, there was none of this, no, no money involved then, there's. Do you see many younger people getting involved with the fishing industry? There is a few, but not many. There's not many at all. There's one or two young lads in Peel there. It's nice to see them having a go. Is it the cost or the, or the difficulty of it that's putting them off? I think it's cost, really. A lot of it do with cost. A lot of them is willing to do it, but they haven't got the cost set up properly. I suppose you want all the, the really, really state-of-the-art equipment now as some of these tele-programmes, like the deadliest catch. You see, you know, there's a lot of money invested in these boats. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of money invested in them. You're not just talking about three or four hundred pounds now. There's a lot, a lot of money. I suppose there's a lot of health and safety issues with it as well. It's a dangerous industry to be involved. Oh, yeah, the sea is a dangerous place if you, if you, if you don't know what you're doing. And will all your crabs and lobsters be fished to the Irish Sea? Because obviously you won't keep up with demand through some of the busy times, I suppose, like TT week, there'll be high demand for, for shellfish. Oh, well, there's a high demand. There's a, there's a good demand all year round. I've been fortunate, so I've got that market, well, not to myself, but to lots of, lots of it. To the high-class hotels and restaurants, all the leading, leading ones, really. And how will you manage at the busy times? Will you buy off some of the other boats? Oh, yeah, I've got uh, my good mates, and I'll buy off them. And they're good to look after me, so but it's, together. It's nothing nicer, though, to, for you to go and catch the, the shellfish in Nyarbal Bay, take it home here to Balaf and process it, and then off in your little van 
to deliver. Oh yeah, that's just nice. It's nice to meet different people in different restaurants and uh, have a good natter with them. <laughs> Pass the time of day and uh, it's good, real good. Well, a lot of hard work goes into dressing these crabs to present them as beautifully as you do. Oh yeah, there's a lot of work goes into it. I mean, as my wife and myself, Valerie, we, we do a lot of work. She's the backbone. No, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult job to do, but you've got some of the state-of-the-art equipment here in the processing yard. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you've got to have. I mean, you can't just go around with a couple of dishes and a, and, a, and a bit of water. You can't do that anymore. You've got to be right up to scratch. I noticed that when you showed me around the plant here this evening, it is of the highest of standard. The stainless steel is immaculate. The plastics are all washed down. You can't smell one fish. You, you never believe there was anything getting done there. It's really, really... Good standard. Yeah, well, that's the way it should be. You shouldn't be able to go into a place and smell, uh, smell. If you're smelling something, something not right. But every part of the crab or lobster that you have is used. It's it's all used up here. Yeah, it's nothing wasted. It's nothing wasted at all. Some of the purses, the, that's the body parts. After we've cleaned it out, that goes back to Weltbait. Some of the shells, that's part of the emulsifier, and, and that's put in little packs as either for the gardens or for the hens. Hens love the shell, the crushed-up shell, fine shell, which gives, I don't know it gives a better taste, but the hens like, seem to like to produce better, harder shells. And their eggs. And the eggs, yeah. It's nice to see that the whole system working right through from the catching to the processing to delivering and then all the parts, everything is used up. You couldn't ask for a better... No, there it, shouldn't be no waste. There shouldn't be no waste. And it's a family business. You've got a, a very interested grandson and son. My younger... Uh, young grandson, he's the one who seems to be very keen on it. He's only young yet, but he's, he'll learn. You never push him too hard, though. And you enjoy getting out on the boat yourself? Oh, yes, I enjoy it. I enjoy it very much. Yeah, the Nyawa's yeah, been good to me over the years. And I've it... had some good laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Have you had any scary moments? I've had one or two, many. <laughs> many. <laughs> but I'm still here. And how are the stocks around the, the West Coast by Dorby? Oh, they seem to be pretty good, really. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. I mean, you can still make a living out of it, as long as you don't get too greedy. And how do you find the condition of the lobsters throughout the year, or the crabs? You know, do they vary with the, what food they have available around the coast? Oh, yeah, I think the, the best lobsters you can get, on the best crab you can get, is at the back end of the year. For, say, from end of August on up through in, towards Christmas. They're the best lobsters and crab you can get. Fair enough, you can get nice ones in the summertime as well, but they're not the same best of quality. They go watery. And you've always been commended on the beautiful white meat that uh, you produce here at Cushland Seafoods. Well, it's all hand-picked. That's for a start. It's all hand-picked, and what well, the stuff is imported. It's not picked as, as such. It's crushed, and the meat is washed out, out of it, and then makes it, makes it, it, makes it go grey colour. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's not the same taste. The taste is not there. You've got to have local stuff for that. You sell quite a lot of popular products, Alan. You've got the, the dressed seafood platters, the, the pots of fresh crab meat. People don't have to be in a hotel or a restaurant to buy these products off you. Oh, no, 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 no. They, haven't got, they can find me direct on Cushland Seafoods. A telephone number, my, uh, telephone, which is uh, 898-177. Or my mobile is 437944. Or you can find us at the I'll be either there, just I'd be a white fan or whatever it is, so just leave a sign there and I'll get in touch with you. That was Alan and Valerie Kermode of Cushland Seafood in Balaf.
great that small thing you often see yeah the little tractor out in the arbor there still going strong after all them years a bit rusty now but it's it's just marvelous what um, just a bit of dedication and obviously that great name in it for for the simple way of doing it it does all himself and, and the family isn't it in the business that's right it's, it's nothing nicer than to catch it local and off the Nyarbal Bay there one of the most beautiful scenic areas on the Isle of Man and then to to put it to some of the better end restaurants on the island to for us to enjoy it's nothing nicer no and we get a great name when people come over to the Isle of Man isn't it head chefs and and people of quite high status and that's one thing that's always praised on the Isle of Man is the seafood dishes and the fish isn't it that's it and also the chef of the year competition there seems to be a lot of seafood used in that for starters and and in their recipes so it's nice to see local suppliers getting used in such great events like the the food festival and the chef of the year competition Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, now I continue my chat that I had with Stanley Quirk up in the hills in Greba on his farm. Well, what happens when you when you look at the modern farm and today? Does it does it make you tut, or do you think, uh, well, it's just progress? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, well, you're doing silage. It's a lot easier if you can just get a couple of fine days about. You can cut it one day and. Get it baled and wrapped the next day, and that's it. You can, well, even if you're doing hay, and as long as you get it baled, it's with the big baler, it's it's all right. You can stand a bit of weather on it. I never did it, but it's uh, it's all right. I think it's uh, it's a lot easier. And once you get it baled, that's it. You got it. You'd need a lot of men in them days, wouldn't you? I would need. Uh, well, there were more, but yeah, it was taking time doing it. Really, you could only put in, you had help and things. See, you could only build do one stack at a time, and you'd only manage one load at a time. You could keep it keep it coming in, packing them on the stack all the time, get several carts going, and you could you could keep going that way. You didn't have to, when you're on your own, you just had to go out and get a load, come home, put it on the stack, and... Back for another load. Did you, did you do a lot of it on your own? Yes, I we did quite a bit. Yes, just the, just the two of us. No mobile communications and no, no, no phones. <laughs> Does that mean a lot more planning, perhaps, in them days compared to now? You know, they'd rush off in a big rush now and get up the top, ring you up and say, oh, I've forgotten this, can you bring it up? You know, none of that if you no, walked no, up no. to the top of them no, hills no, to do a bit of no, fencing. Uh, they seem to manage all right. The electricity board and things, and they ring up. They want something. When the poles were put in first, there was no mobile phones then, and they managed all right. It didn't didn't seem to worry them. Was they wanted something, they just get in the in the van and off and get it. Yeah, a lot of sheep obviously suited to that up the hillside of it. I mean, did you have some some good sheep dogs any time to help you? Yes, yes, often. And some poor ones. Yes, I have a few poor ones. <laughs> we often did have a good one. Most of the time, we had good ones. Dogs these days—they're all frightened of sheep. You got quad bikes and tractors. Often taking the tractor when you're going to get the sheep in makes it a bit easier. Nowadays, I mean, we were talking earlier about you. Couldn't have been a ghost. Do you, do you have any animals or sheep on the farm now? No, no, just a few hens. 
few cats and a dog. <laughs> but a life of farming, uh, 80 years of farming and involved in the farming industry, and he said he'd never change it. And Was it just such a satisfying job, like you said, some of the things where you see something from absolutely nothing that you've achieved yourself? Hmm. That's the way things were getting done, and there was, that's all there was to it. No putting it off to tomorrow. Get it done. I <laughs> get it done as quick as you can. <laughs> when the weather's fine, when the weather's right. But then all these rumours that 40 or 50 years ago all the farmers were, were down the pub three or four times a week, that's a load of nonsense, is it? Well, I don't know. I think there's a good bit of that going on. Did <laughs> <laughs> You said you didn't, in the later days sell so much in the mart but did my dad i don't think bought anything in 50 years going to the mart <laughs> but he always went <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that a day out for you the mart day well we didn't go all that often mm. only said when we wanted something or something to sell maybe looking for a top or something like that didn't often go regular at all well i suppose you'd meet up at the like the isle of man farm or some places like that and you know to Get a bit of gossip from the merchants, oh, would well, you? Oh, uh, well, Collett and Cowrie's, that mm. was the place. Mm. They used to have a fire on in there, and that was, uh, it was a wonderful meeting place in there. Was that at Union Mills there? Was it? No, in uh, 19 North Quay. Oh, right. Yes, yes, that, was, that was a big meeting place there. Yes. Right. Cup of tea and put the farm well, no world right. tea, but uh, they had the fire on. And they were all in, and I suppose that it was... To be coming and going, to be some some coming in and some going off. Are you still in touch with the with the neighbouring farmers, some of the younger ones now? Do you find out what's happening all the time? Yes, I often see the one down the road anyway. But sometimes you walk up the road, you, you go on the bus and walk up the road and never see one person. Oh, I think a lot of them out working these days. Sometimes you don't happen on one person. No, I suppose some of them have got... Farming is a sort of second job, in a way now, or a hobby, some of them, haven't they? Yes, yes, a lot of them. See, a lot of them got a, a daytime job, and then farming is just getting done in the, in the spare time. But they're saying they, they can't live on it. I mean, farming back when you were younger, I don't suppose there was many millionaire farmers who made millions from it. No, but uh, they they could live on it. Mm. They could live uh, these days you need a job but to pay the expenses. Well, in them days you were farming to just support oh, well, your family you could, and you could, you could uh, pay your way. It wasn't an awful lot to owe, but it was, uh, you could live on it. Can't these days. Well, fond memories from Stanley Quirk at Cool Slough up in the hills of Greba there about his memories from uh, his days on the farm as a youngster and even today still pottering about doing a bit, making sure them hedges are trimmed and uh, you know, cow houses that I went round for looking the stables there, just like the day with the racks and the everything in them and how they got some of them big beams inside. <laughs> We're still pondered by them now. But it's a lovely area and a lovely man as well. And it's just great that people like that are willing to, to talk about them days because tough old days, weren't they? But yeah. no alternatives. This is it, up the they side didn't, of that yeah, hill. Now, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. It's no? too tough for me. I'll wait till I get some help. They don't, do they? They just did it. No, they dug in back those those days, and, and now we're so spoilt with modern machinery and everything. It, it can be done by tractor or even computer. It's unbelievable how technology has improved agriculture. But um, I must say, on 
there's the livestock side of things, the loose boxes, we really do miss them at our farm for breaking cattle to show and for sick animals or animals needing a little bit more care and attention, you really do miss the loose boxes. Yeah, you don't have them anymore? Hmm. No, no, we converted them into holiday cottages and uh, we do really miss them, to be honest. Well, you can't have the best of both worlds, though, can you? true. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, wonderful memories from Stanley Quirk from uh, Greba there on this week's programme. And also um, talking about uh, the smaller operation side, uh, but equally as important, and especially to um, restaurant and shop owners that uh, are, are taking the coastland seafoods um, process uh, produce isn't it that's right it's it's really really good to see it for a, like farm to fork as they always say so from the sea to the plate it's nothing nicer Aye. Okay. much water up with the fork the <laughs> ideal in the sea wouldn't it get one of the tridents like neptune had that's right yeah, it is we'll leave it there for this week's program we'll see you next week for more so for me simon clark me gary kermode bye-bye bye-bye don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with shaw's all new super fast plus broadband Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.